and he is a man of Christ-like character. Beacon family, please join with me in giving a very warm welcome to Pastor James Gordon. Well, thank you, thank you. How are we doing this morning? All right, wonderful, wonderful. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to 1 Samuel chapter 12, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 12. It's a blessing to be here. Um, I fairly new in meeting you guys as pastor. We were on a retreat back about a month and a half ago out in San Diego and um, got a chance to meet um, Pastor CB and his beautiful wife, Chanel, and um, just honored and it's a privilege to stand and share the word of God with us this morning. Um, for the, anyone that does not know how to worship, there's a little boy back there. I don't know if they took him in the back. So, yeah, that, you guys see that little guy there? That little dude there, he was back there worshiping the Lord and clapping. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a guy that worshiped. With that, ladies and gentlemen, 1 Samuel chapter 12. Um, I remember when I first got saved, um, one, the Lord delivered me from a ton of mess. Um, I was a young man that I drank, I womanized, I was living a life contrary to the gospel in a major way. And I remember when the Lord saved me, I had a a wrong perspective of who God was. And those perspectives were based upon my feelings and who I thought God was. And so when the Lord saved me and delivered me, guys, I was walking, but I still was struggling in my mess. And as I was struggling in my mess, instead of running to God, I would run away from God. And I would think to myself, you know what, I'm unworthy. My sin is separating me from God. God doesn't want to have fellowship with me. And I was struggling in my sin. And it was interesting, guys, as I began to dig in the word and study the word more and more, God just continued to reveal himself to me and show me who, one, he is, and then who I was in him. And it's important, guys, because as we're going to look at this story here, Actually, let me say this. My sin, I thought it deserved punishment. My sin and my mindset, it was separating me from God. And my sin, I thought God was sitting there waiting for me. Hey, James Gordon, get this right. And then in my sin, I was thinking all the time, you know what? I'm unworthy of who God is and I'm unworthy of his grace. Now, if you guys know, the Bible is very clear. There is none righteous, no, not one. All of us deserve what? To be separated. So we're going to take a look at this First Samuel chapter um, 12. And in context, ladies and gentlemen, it's important to note that you have Samuel the prophet who is coming to the end of his ministry, his days on earth. And he comes to the children of Israel and he's sharing with the children of Israel, listen, I'm about to go the way. And what he asked them first, he says, hey, listen, people, have I done anything against you? Have I wronged you guys as the prophet of God? Have I done something wrong? And the children of Israel say, no, 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 we don't have anything against you. Then he goes on and he testifies of how good God had been to the children of Israel. And then he goes on and he says, but you know what? Even in all that, there's something that I have to bring to you. And the thing that I bring to you is this. 
this sin that you have committed, this thing about, you know what, asking for a king, it is a great sin that you have sinned against God. And if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 8, you see this, this context where the children of Israel said, you know what, we want to be like the people of the world, all the other surrounding nations. Give us a king. We want a king like those people. And God was like, hey, listen, I am your king. You don't need a king. I am your king. And so Samuel was bringing this before the children of Israel. So a little context there. Now, a couple of things. And one says I wrote down on my notes, this is for three people. The Christian that is in here struggling in your sin, who walks in a spirit of self-condemnation, this word is for you. Oftentimes we walk in self-condemnation. Secondly, the person who really doesn't know the God of the Bible and his character and his love for his people, this word is for you. Thirdly, maybe you're in here and you know what? You got it in order. You're good. You know what I'm saying? You'll walk with the Lord. You shine in right. You fill with the spirit and you walk in. This is a key thing. Samuel's going to say something in this text. He's going to say, you know what? I will not cease from praying for you and then teaching you the word of God. So maybe you're the Christian here and you got it in order. This is the key thing. I'm going to challenge you. Just as Samuel said, you know what? I will not sin against God by ceasing to pray for you and teach you the word. Maybe it's somebody that you really need to engage with and pray for and then you need to teach them the word. Now, next slide, I think it is. I want to say what we're going to see in this text. Next slide, please. What will we see in this text? Israel's recognition of their sin and their knowledge of the penalty of sin because they're going to say, hey, man, deliver us from this death, right? Number two, um, the mercy of God communicated to Israel through the prophet, of Sam, the prophet Samuel. Excuse me. Number three, a reminder for Israel to not turn from God, but to what? Worship him. When we're in sin, oftentimes we run from him instead of running to him. Then Israel is going to be confirmed as what? As his people. And he says, you know what? I will not abandon them. Then he's going to give them some marching orders. We're going to look at those marching orders. Marching orders for Israel and moving forward. And then there's a little warning at the end. A word to Israel to be careful as they march forward. And we're going to see that word. So with that, next slide. Very important. As we look at this word, ladies and gentlemen, this is the mindset. This is the God that we serve. You look in, excuse me, in Exodus chapter 34, and in Exodus chapter 34, the Lord is talking to Moses, and this is the second time, remember the first time Moses breaks the tablets, right? And so the Lord says, hey, I'm going to give you a second chance. And as he's there, he reveals himself. The Lord passed before him, proclaimed what? The Lord, the Lord, God of mercy, a merciful God, a God who is gracious, a God who is slow to anger. Some of us don't know this God like this. But he said, he's a, he, God says, I'm a God slow to anger, abounding in what? Steadfast love and what? Faithfulness. And then he says, keeping steadfast love for what? Thousands. How many? 
thousands. I like y'all. You guys good class participation. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when I go teach, I got to say, hey, 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 this is a classroom, right? And then there's class participation. I love that. So he says, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. If you're guilty, guess what? If you're guilty, guess what? You're guilty. But the beautiful thing is you sit here as I stand here, we have Jesus Christ, the advocate, who has paid the penalty for our sins. Same page. Let's bow. Let's, let's um, open in a word of prayer for the word, and then let's dive into the text. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, for this refuge, a place, Lord, where we can come down below, Lord, and we can just sit in your presence. We can worship you like that little guy in the back. God, thank you for him. Thank you for your people, Lord. And I don't know where your people are, God, but you do. So I pray, Father, that you would take this word, minister to our heart. Holy Spirit, give me the exact words. As I prepare, Lord, maybe there's some things that I haven't prepared for that you want to speak to your people. So as a vessel, here I yield myself to you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, speak. Encourage your people, challenge your people, but more importantly, remind them, remind all of us in this sanctuary, God, that we are loved by the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and that you will never, ever abandon us. So, Lord, we want to tell you we love you, we thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, here we go. Let's dive in here. First Samuel chapter 12. This wrote down here in verse 18. He says, so Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly what? Feared the Lord and Samuel. Verse 19, a couple of highlights here. He says, and all the people said to Samuel, what they say? Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not what? Die, for we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king man here's the sin that Samuel lays before the children of Israel ladies and gentlemen and there's a couple of things here there's a problem everybody say problem, problem. and we want to identify the problem what is the problem the problem is this they said Samuel we want you to pray to the Lord your God uh-oh it's a problem ladies and gentlemen and in this, it's very important to take heed, guys. He says here, as the people say, your God. And I want to remind us, this God that we serve is not your God. It's not the pastor's God, but it's our God. You take that Y off and it turns into? No, 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 no. Y'all didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, you take that Y off and it turns into? Our God. He's our God. Everybody on the same page here. And it's that God that we read about in, in Exodus chapter 34. And so important. It's our God. And as you sit here, yes, Pastor James, right, Pastor CB, we're just human beings, just men. Mere men called by the Lord, answered a call upon our lives. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. He's not just our God, but he's our God. 
So don't look at him as, hey, Pastor CB, he's your God, or James, he's your God. No, no, he's your God. And this is, the, this is the beautiful thing that God has done. What he has done as children of God, he has empowered us with the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to walk with us, to guide us, to direct us. And so he's not just my God, but he is everybody on the same page. Moving on, he says here, Actually, a couple of things. The children of Israel, what do they do? They acknowledge their sin. Hey, we come to a place where we understand that we have done this great sin and sin against God by doing what? Give us a king. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one king, and it's the king of kings, and his name is Jesus. Never forget that, ladies and gentlemen. Never forget that because they're saying, hey, we want to, they're looking outside and they're saying, we want a king like all the other nations to take them out and to bring them in. God said, hey, listen, I am your king. You have the greatest king of all kings, Lord of lords, the one that created all things. Verse 29, or excuse me, verse 20, what does Samuel say? And Samuel said to the people, First thing, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside, God bless you, do not turn aside from following the Lord. Oh, my bad, I'm just, yeah, my bad. <laughs> he said, yeah, do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with your whole heart. Guys, it's important. That we understand who God is. And he tells them here, he says, don't be afraid. Sometimes we have this perspective of God that it's this God that is one to come down and what? Punish. And he says, listen, don't be afraid. No matter where you are, what you're walking through, your sin is not too, it's not too big for God to come and deliver you and to walk you out. He said, don't be afraid. And think, if you look in the Old Testament over and over again, you see the children of Israel, even they told Moses, hey, Moses, you go up to God, you talk to God on our behalf. And he said, no, 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 don't be afraid. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's no reason for any man, woman, or boy, or girl in this sanctuary to be afraid of God. Now, we're going to talk about a different fear, and we'll talk about that fear later because it's a reverence. It's a awe. It's a respect. But this fear of, like, all right, God is going to put, that's not what God is looking to do, ladies and gentlemen, because we just read in Exodus 34 that he's a God of what? He's a merciful God. What is mercy? Not giving you or giving me what? What I deserve. What is gracious? It's unmerited favor. Forgiven iniquity for how many thousands? That's the God that we serve. Now, people outside, when we don't study the scriptures and look at God for who God is according to the scriptures, we have our own perspective, we have our own feelings, and all of that gets mixed up with really who the God of the Bible is. And so he says, listen, don't be afraid. That was me. Seriously, that was me. I got delivered from some mess, people. And I was afraid. Why? Because I had a dad that showed me something completely different when I was wrong. Guess what you get, son? Ha, 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 ha. Right? You guys with me? I was afraid. But what Samuel tells them here, he tells them very clearly. He says, listen. He says, don't be afraid. You have done all this evil, 
He says, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. So he tells them, listen, instead of being afraid, what you need to do is run to him. You need to serve him. And have you guys ever felt like, you know what, when you was walking in your sin, you feel like, all right, I'm going to go opposite direction instead of going to God. Anybody ever felt like that? This is the crazy thing. Some of you guys sitting in here today, you feel that way even today. And the Bible is very clear. He says, no, no, don't run from him. Run to him. Worship him. Think of Cain and Abel's story. And you think, what did the Lord say? Hey, hey, Cain comes here, right? He say, hey, they said, Cain, bring an offering to me, your first fruits, right? Abel brings a right offering. Cain does not. Right? And then what does the Lord, and then the Bible says that the Lord comes to them and says, all right, well, Cain, your offering is not right, right? And the Bible says that his, when God came to it, that his countenance fell. Some of you, what is countenance? Facial expressions, body language. God sees that, right? And it, it has fallen. But the Lord tells him, listen, Cain, just, if you do right, if you bring the right offering to me, it's received, it's accepted. If you do well, you'll be just fine. But where was Cain's mindset at? Cain's mindset was on his brother, and so what did he do? Took him out of the field and what? You guys with me? And so he says, no, 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 just bring the right offering. That's what the Lord asks of us. No matter where you are, no matter what you fall, don't run from him, but run to him. The Bible says, present your body as a what? Living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable what? Worship or service. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be what? How? By the renewing of our minds. How is our mind renewed? Our minds are renewed by the word of God. And as we study the word, we sit and we meditate in the word. The word transforms our mind, guys. This is our worship. And so what he's saying, listen, don't run from God. Run to him so that he can do what? Change your mind. That mess you walk in, that mess I walk in sometimes, guess what, God? Son, come here. Just come to me. Get on your knees. Talk to me. Get in my book. Study the book. I just want to talk to you. I want to change you. That's what, that's, the, that's what God does, ladies and gentlemen. He's not a God that's looking to punish you. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. Now, listen. There's a time when Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to come back as a what? Judge. Don't get it twisted. Okay? Because some, hey, some, there's a place for that. But this God that we're talking about, he's, come here. Come here. Walk with me. Wherever you are, just come here. Come walk with me. Lay your sins at my feet. I wish I had these lights. One of the things I, I, like, to, I like to look at people. I want to see y'all eyes. Because God is a personal God. He's a personal God. He cares where you are, what you're walking through, and the struggles that you're going through. And what he would say is, he says, come here. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're struggling in this sanctuary this morning, he says, come to me. Come here. And maybe, man. Maybe that's why the Lord brought you here this morning. So that you can hear, man, God just loves you. 
He really does. This is, hey, listen, this is not a show. I'm not up here for a show. Jesus didn't die and lay his life down for a show. He died and he laid his life down to deliver mankind from their sin. And so maybe you're here, man, and you're struggling. He says, listen, don't run from me. Come to me. You're in the right place. And maybe there's a brother or sister or somebody that brought you here, and what you need to do, you know what, go to them, just bare your heart. Share with them. Tell them what you're struggling with. And if they want to cast stones at you, the Lord will deal with them in that. But you, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be what? Healed. And so maybe you're here for that reason, ladies and gentlemen. And so in that, just come to him. Don't run from him, but come to him. Because that is your worship. Now, he continues. He says, in verse 21, he says, And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver you, for they are what? They're empty. This word turn aside has this meaning to be taken away or to be removed. This word empty, formless, or confusion, or emptiness, a wasteland or a wilderness. I was looking at that, ladies and gentlemen, I was just pondering on that, guys. And sometimes what happens when we fall into sin or when we're struggling in our sin, again, instead of running to God, we run to what? Worthless things that we think will do what? That will deliver us. And he's very, very clear. He says, no, no, don't turn to those things. What is it that you turn to? Let's keep it real here, seriously. Sanctuary, my people, talk to me. What are some things that we turn to instead of turning to God that we think that we're going to find, what, a refuge in? Talk to me. What are some of those things we turn to? Huh? Somebody said what? Ooh, that's deep. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Do y'all hear that? Think about this. Family. Really, we should turn to family, right? But family is not the one that died for you. And think about that woman, right, the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, spent everything she had, right, and she what? Gave it all, but just grew worse. Mm, That's interesting. Family, that's crazy. But when she came and what? Touched the hem of his garment. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing the word of God. It's impossible to please God without faith, but those who walk by faith please him, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Give me some more feedback. What are some of those things we turn to? Say attention. Hmm, it's good. What else? Entertainment. Mm-hmm. What? Man, how many of us? <laughs> y'all, know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Every day, I'll just. Y'all with me? Think about it. Some of us almost every night. I, 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 just, need, I just need a break. Sometimes my little daughter will tell me, I just need a break, Dad. She, there ain't no break. That's another thing. What else? Ourselves. Hmm. Friends. What else? Shop. Uh-oh. Hey. hey. <laughs> That had to be a lady, too. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Work. Actually, in America, we got a work problem. Hold on. We got a work problem. 
Uh-oh, somebody identify with that. We got a work problem. So we find our identity in it, we run to it. No, 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 the king of kings. He's the one that ultimately pays the bills. Do you really believe that, though? He's the one that pays the bill. Empty things, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be careful of empty things. So let's say a couple of things we didn't say in here, right? Uh-oh, talk to me. Huh, lust. How about, how about we as men that find our identity in our wives and we run to our wives instead of running to the Lord? Women, vice versa. When there's something going on in the household, right, and we turn into, we turn to the physical instead of sitting on our knees as a couple and really seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you desire to do in my heart and in my wife's heart so that this situation would change? What is it that we run to? Because he said, be careful that we aren't removed or to be taken away by things that are what? Confusing that are empty, things that will take you into a wilderness where you'll be roaming around for 40 years, a 13-day trip, and you're just roaming for 40 years because you don't want to obey the Lord, just take heed to his word. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful. Run to the Lord, not from the Lord. It's very, very clear, guys. Men, may not even just be a man thing this day and age, but I wrote in my notes, pornography. Man, that's sobering. I didn't get too many amens on that one. And this is the crazy part, ladies and gentlemen. We're on this thing over and over all day, and the mess that just... And we allow our minds to go to those empty things. And he's, no, no, don't be afraid. Worship the Lord. Don't turn to the mess. Turn to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Then he's going to tell you why. Why is this? Let's look here. Next verse. He says here in verse 22, For the Lord will not forsake his people. Hmm. For his great name's sake, because it pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. This is why you don't need to turn to vain and empty things. Because the Bible is very, very clear. Samuel is telling the children of Israel, listen, the Lord won't forsake you. Some of us in here, you got, we don't realize that. Why? Because you've been abandoned. Some of us have been abandoned. Some of us, right, have walked through, right, divorce. Some of us, our parents, our dad or mom has abandoned us, and so we bring that in our relationship with the Lord, and that's just not the case. What he says here is that God will not, what? He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. This is the God that we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, the God of the Bible. Regardless of your feelings, regardless of your experiences, he says very, very clear, he says, for the Lord will not forsake or abandon his people. Why? For his name's sake. This is who he is. That's why in the beginning I read um, um, Exodus chapter 34. This is who he is. Now, 
for some of you, this might be boring. And let me tell you why it might be boring. You might be the individuals that are sitting in here. You got it. You, you understand God's mercy. You understand God's grace. Right? You understand his love. But you sit at a desk or in an office or at a school every single day with people that do not. So don't lose sight of what God is saying because one of, remember, I gave you three, who this is for, three different groups of people. And one of them is for, you know what, remember um, what does Paul say in um, uh, Galatians chapter 6? He says, if one is overtaken in sin, you who are spiritual, restore one in a, in a spirit of gentleness. Maybe that's for you. Maybe you're here and you need to sit. You know what? Because he's going to say it in a couple of verses here. He says, listen, I will not cease or I will not walk in sin and cease from praying for you and teaching you the word. So think about the great commission, ladies and gentlemen. Go, therefore, and make disciples. But when you look at the word, the word actually means first to be a disciple and then secondly to make a disciple. So I got to be a disciple. Part of discipleship is a disciplined learner and follower of the things of Jesus. And he says, go and do what? Make them. In order to make them, you got to do it. It takes some work. So maybe you're here and the Lord is wanting to stir you up a little bit. And say, you need to get out your seat and stop being comfortable. You need to get, you know what, you got it in order. You understand the grace, you understand the mercy, you understand his love. What you need to do, you need to get out and share it. And think about what Samuel is saying to the people. Because there's people outside these walls, ladies and gentlemen, that don't understand the God that you know. They don't understand that God. They understand, you know what, man, I'm walking through this pain and this heartache and these struggles, and God is not showing up for me. I need some help. The Spirit has empowered you to do so. You know, seriously, the Spirit, one of the things I'm going to charge you guys at the end, I'm going to charge you now. Who is that one person that you need to be praying for and you need to be sharing the word with? Who is it? And if you don't have that person, then what you need to do, you need to seek your heart. You need to pray, God, show me who that individual is. Show me. i give you guys an example. My little daughter runs track. And it's this guy over and over again that just keeps coming up to me and engaging me in conversation. And finally, like, I was thinking to myself, all right, Lord, why does this man continue to come to me, engage me in conversation, and the type of conversation this man is engaging me in? So I had to sit and I, okay, all right, Lord, what are you saying? So last night, about 10 o'clock at night, send that man a text message. Hey, I'm leaving for the Dominican Republic on Tuesday, but you and I, let's get together Monday for breakfast. That man responded, yes, can't wait to get together with you. This is the thing. Listen, just being sensitive to the spirit. Listening, all right, Lord, what are you saying? Who, are they, who is it that you're bringing to me, right, that I need to pay attention to because they need the word? Moms, don't take this in the wrong way. You guys hear these little babies? Listen. What is that little baby saying? No, seriously, what are these little babies saying? Hungry, help, right? Listen. 
please, Beacon Church, there are grown men and grown women walking around crying out saying, help, help, help. Are we listening? We look at them as grown individuals, but remember, one day they was just like that little baby. And we need to listen. We need to be in tune. And listen to me. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is not about you. It's not about me. The gospel is not about you. It's not about me. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. There's some people that are lost that walk in your midst. And my encouragement is, is be in tune to what the Spirit is saying so that you can be a vessel used of the Spirit to minister the word to them. And listen to me, guys. It's a couple of things. Maybe it's just outreach. What is outreach? Just reaching out to them, loving them, spending time with them. The Spirit is the one, you think of Philip, the Spirit is the one that compels a man or woman, go preach the gospel to them, evangelism. And then it might even be a brother or sister that is struggling in their sin that you need to walk with to disciple. I'll be honest with you, that was a little tangent. That wasn't prepared. So... Man, how do I close this? 11.06. He says, the Lord will not abandon you. You are his people. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, you are his people. We are his people. We need to hear that. You are his people. We are his people. couple of things I wrote down here. You think of Ezra and King Cyrus. You have King Cyrus where King Cyrus, a pagan king, comes back and he tells, he says, you know what, what we're going to do, I'm going to give all the resources necessary to the children of Israel to go back and to rebuild the temple. A pagan king, God does not leave his people. God loves his people. He would not abandon you. Even King Saul, how many of us know who King Saul is? King Saul, you fast forward a couple of chapters, ladies and gentlemen, and you find out here that the Lord is so serious about his people, he tells King Saul, go in and destroy all the Malachites. And Saul does not destroy all the Malachites. God comes to a place, because, and the reason why he wanted to destroy all the Malachites, because if we don't destroy all the Malachites, or if they don't destroy all the Malachites, those Amalekites are going to come in and do what? Destroy Israel. And he says to Saul, listen, you destroy all the Malachites, and he makes excuses, and then what does the Lord do for him? Hey, I denounce you as being king. God is serious about his people. You are his people. We are his people, and he protects and he takes care of his people. I forgot the young lady that was standing here, and she was testifying to this verse in verse 22, the second part of it. Why is it that the Lord will not forsake his people? Because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. God is pleased in the fact that we are his people. 
It is pleasing to God. No matter how you think or what you struggle with, God is pleased to deliver you from your mess. God is pleased to deliver me from my mess. Verse 23, moreover, as for me, Samuel says here, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. He says, and I will instruct you in the good and right way. The whole purpose of God's word. We as leaders, leaders in here, this is a word for you and I. Saint, it's a word for you and I. Do not cease from praying for that individual. Do not cease from teaching them the word. Even if it gets to a point where you are sick and tired of being sick and tired of their mess, he says it very clear. I would teach them the right way. Verse 24, he says, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. He says, for consider what great things he has done for you. The gentleman in the back that's praying asked me, hey, James, what are you thankful for? And this is what I said to him. You know, simply put, it may be too simple. I'm just thankful to be saved. God, you don't have to give me nothing else. I'm just thankful that you saved my soul. Consider the great things that God, God, you saved my soul. What is it that you're thankful for? Hope, confident expectation that God is able to do what he says he will do. What is it that you're thankful for? Consider the great things he says that God has done. And the children of Israel over and over again, there's so many things they can consider. Same thing for you and I. God, I am just grateful that I get to stand here on this platform and you would use a wretched soul like James Gordon to proclaim your word. And the only reason why, God, you saved my soul. What is it that you are grateful for? Consider the great things, ladies and gentlemen, that God has done in your life. In closing, he gives a warning. And this warning is important, ladies and gentlemen. Because the Bible says, take heed lest you what? Fall. Here's the warning. He tells them, the last verse here, he says, but if you still do wickedly, you shall be what? Swept away. He says, both you and your king. And when you continue reading the storyline, you see that Saul is, because he wouldn't obey the Lord. Now, some would say, well, I thought you said God is a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. 100% he is. But in Hebrews, you got that verse in Hebrews. After it's, it's stated about this Jesus and who Jesus, he says, for this reason, we must pay careful attention to all the more of what we have heard, lest we what? Drift away. It's kind of like a dock. I love the fish, so I love being out in the ocean, right? And you think of those boats that are tied to that dock and the waves come and beat up against it, right? What happens to that boat? It stays there. You untie that dock, you untie that boat from that dock and those waves come and beat, what's going to happen to that boat? It's going to, listen, there's no substitute. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. I have no clue who's in this sanctuary. You know what? I may not ever see you again, but listen to me. There is no substitute for the child of God in God's word. There's no substitute. This is how God changes our mind. This is how he, hey, this is how he walks us through the process of sanctification. There's no substitute. 
you and I, we have to be in the word lest we find ourselves, just like he said, you and your king will do what? And this is the thing. It could be slow or it could be. Ladies and gentlemen, we serve a God who loves his people. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a God that is full of love. So much love, you know what he said? What I'm going to do is I'm going to come off of my throne for you, and I'm going to lay my life down for you so that you don't have an excuse. I don't have an excuse. That's the God we serve. And so if you are struggling in your sin, don't run from him. Run to him. Let's go. Slides. So I'll get out of here. What we saw in the text, Israel recognized their sin and their what? Penalty of sin. This is the key thing. We see in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, that what? Christ paid the penalty. He's our advocate, that pot of kaleo. He comes alongside. He paid, the, he paid the penalty, the propitiation. God's wrath taken upon Christ for you and I. What do we saw? We saw the mercy of God communicated. Even though you've sinned, he says what? Come to me and what? Worship me. The um, Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. He says that, God's, he get, that God is what? He's rich in mercy. Rich. You can take all the money put together in this entire building. It does not come or compare to how rich God is in his mercy for you and I. A reminder for Israel not to not turn from God, but to what? Worship him. You read in Romans chapter 11 at the end of 11, that God's mercy upon us as, as Gentiles, right? And then he goes on, he tells us, you know what? Print, present your body as a what? Living sacrifice. Why is it that you and I can present our bodies as a living sacrifice? Because of God's mercy. You are his people and he will not abandon you. Listen, very important, ladies and gentlemen. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. I wish I had time to break that down. Just as if you've never sinned before. And then the Bible says this. Um, you're being justified by faith. You believe in Christ. So guess what? You're at, we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 says. So listen, listen, listen. I want your eyes. Look at me, please. Listen. Because, and, and some of you guys are probably sitting here saying, all right, James Gordon, move out the way. This is the thing. I might not be talking to you, or maybe the Spirit is not dealing with you right now, but it might be one person in this room this morning that needs to know God is at peace with you because of his son Jesus and what you believe. You need to know that so that you walk out of the sanctuary this morning in peace. Because God is at peace with you. He gives them marching orders for Israel and moving forward. And what does he tell them? Disobey me. <laughs> Just, it's simple. Fear me. Have reverence. Sit in awe. Stand in awe of the King of kings and Lord of lords. If you really worship him for who he is, man, that he saved your soul, some of you guys, you know what, this is the key thing. Some of you were raised in a church, and so you take it for granted, your salvation. Eh, easy. Easy. It's by the grace of God. And you know what? You didn't have to walk through the mess I had to walk through. Praise God for that. Yes, sir. <laughs> a word to the wise, to be careful as they march forward. 
We must give the most earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we what? Drift away. And it's the thing. That king, that thing that you depend upon, those worthless things, is going to fade away. It's something. There's only one thing. Yesterday, today, forever. Eternal. The king of kings. The lord of lords. I got one more slide if I'm mistaken or that's it. That's it. So ladies and gentlemen, God is faithful. And I close in this. There's a call to action. One, let's walk with a gospel-centered hope because really that's what we see. Secondly, I would encourage you to write down a person that you will vow to pray for and teach the word. Who is that individual that you're going to pray for and that you're going to teach the word to? And then for us, the children of God, my encouragement is that you and I will continuously meditate on who God is according to the scriptures. Again, I say meditate upon who God is according to the scriptures, not according to our feelings and who we think he is. Who is he? He's a God that will not abandon you. That's the God that we serve. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word and you transcend time, Lord. Thank you, God, that you love us more than we can ever imagine. God, thank you for moments such as this. Lord, you know the hearts of your people. You know what they're walking through, the struggles, the challenges, whatever it is. And I would just pray that, Holy Spirit, you would just minister to their hearts. Show them how much you love them. Remind them, Lord, that you're a God that will not abandon your people. Even when we walk away from you, God, you walk with us. You carry us. Remind your people, Lord. Lord, those who have walked in this sanctuary struggling, Lord, would you show them more and more how much you love them. Remind them, Lord, if they have confessed your son, Jesus, as Lord, by faith that you are at peace with them. You have declared them right in your eyes. And remind them, Lord, that they can walk in peace and they can walk and be free. Encourage your people. Strengthen them. We just want to tell we love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Amen.